This is a Valerie Moss original podcast. Welcome back to Valerie's Variety Podcast. On today's episode, we are taking a step back to 1976, a cold case in Calgary that to this day is still unsolved. Patricia, or Patsy McQueen, and Ava Dvorak. Welcome to the show. Sunday, February 15th, 1976, two 14-year-old girls have been found dead west of the city under the Happy Valley overpass. Fully clothed, no visible gunshot wounds, no visible evidence of stabbing, they would not have died due to exposure. So what happened? Someone is hiding something. This case is still cold, 42 years later. This overpass will eventually mark the area that is now referred to as Valley Ridge. But at this time, in 1976, this area was still a few miles out of the city of Calgary's city limits heading west. The Happy Valley area was a campground and amusement park from 1961 to the late 1970s. Full of merry-go-rounds, carousel rides, and a waiting pool. Filled with laughter of children, the smell of hot dogs, and the cracking of chips. This is a 28-minute drive by car direct from the Ian Bazalgett Junior High School to the place the girls' bodies were found. If you look at a topical map of the city of Calgary from the southeast area of the city to the far west end heading out of town towards the Rocky Mountains, a truly opposite direction from the girls' end of town. Why here? One of the girls, identified as Patricia McQueen, or Patsy, as she was referred to, resided at 2220 37th Street Southeast, just south of Highway 1A and east of 36th Street in the district of Forest Lawn, Forest Heights area of Calgary. In 2012, 36 years later, the demographics in this Forest Lawn area had a population of almost 7,500 people, living in 3,300 dwellings. The average household incomes in the year of 2000 were almost a 30% low-income resident. Approximately 18% were immigrants, and the main buildings and residents were condos and apartment styles, and almost 60% were residential units. Almost 60% were rental units, high-density housing. From the Web Archives Crime Database, as far back as I can go to 2002, which is still 35 years later, person crimes like assault, battery, and robbery were 16 per 1,000. And property crimes were things like break and entry, theft from vehicles, etc., was 57 per 1,000.
When I look at the house Patsy lived in, according to Google Images today, this appears to be a 1950s home-style typical bungalow with a three-step porch up to the front door. It has a short metal fence that surrounds the front yard with a gate that opens up to the sidewalk. The house is off-white in color today with brown window trim. You can assume the two windows on the right are bedrooms and the large window on the left is the living room. The second girl identified as Eva Dvorak. Of 3131 30th Avenue, Southeast. In the community of Dover, east of Highway 2 and south of Highway 1A. In 2012, 36 years after the crime, the demographics of the community of Dover had a population of 10,302, living in 4,722 dwellings. And the average household income in the year of 2000 was 43,000, and approximately 24% were low income residents. 15% of the residents were immigrants, and almost 30% of the buildings were condo units, apartments, and rental properties. High density housing. From the Web Archives Crime Database, as far back as I can go to 2002, which is still 35 years later, person crimes like assault, battery, robbery was 16 per thousand. And property crimes were things like break and enter, theft from vehicles, etc. was 44 per thousand. Lower than Forest Lawn, where Patsy lived, but still quite significant. When I look at the house that Eva Dvorak lived in, according to Google Images today, Eva's home was on the inside of a small cul-de-sac. Again, it was also a bungalow-style duplex. Her home with a front view facing a walking path. Obviously, these crime rates from 2002 would likely be higher than in 1976. However, in 1976, people didn't report crime like they did in 2002, and of course today. It doesn't matter how you look at it, these crime rates are significant. Higher in the area where Patsy lived than where Ava lived, but we can surmise the girls lived in a rougher part of the Calgary city. Both girls lived close to and attended the Ian Bazalja Junior High School. To the north lived Patsy and to the south Eva, almost the same distance from the school. Patsy in grade 9 and Eva in grade 8. Patsy being at the top of the school and the final grade in this location and Eva likely looking up to Patsy as she was the older one. Both of these girls were average in their academics and both popular. In the following days after the girls were found, 
laid against an embankment in the late hours of the morning the previous Sunday. An autopsy was performed on both of them. With the possibility of murder, drug overdose, or liquor being involved, there were still so many questions unanswered. The girls had been missing since the previous Thursday, but were staying with friends and not touching base with their families. Some of the pupils at the school were interviewed and commented about the use of drugs at school and after school. Things like marijuana and some chemicals, but no hard needle style of drugs. They concurred both of these girls engaged in these sorts of activities. However, in the end, the autopsy found nothing significant to realize their deaths. A news article almost six weeks later mentioned that both girls willingly took drugs, LSD, marijuana, and drank alcohol, but none of this would have caused their death. I did some research off of a website called The Recovery Village in regards to mixing LSD and alcohol. LSD is a substance praised by hippies and tech moguls alike. Because of the drug's mixed reputation and prevalence in pop culture, many people write off the potential dangers of LSD use and instead see it as a ticket to enlightenment. It turns out the effects of the substance are more complicated and often riskier than they appear. This is a synthetically created psychedelic substance notorious for its mind-bending psychological effects, commonly referred to as acid. Consumption of this drug elicits a period of visual, auditory, and perception changes that can last for 12 hours or more. LSD affects everyone a little differently. This unpredictability is one of the most dangerous aspects of the drug. While some users feel fairly level-headed throughout the course of the trip, others begin to experience bad trips, pervaded by intense feelings of anxiety, terror, entrapment, or existential dread. Side effects of LSD and alcohol combined are difficult to understand. That's because it affects very dramatically from person to person. Some of the side effects are hallucinations, loss of appetite, dry mouth, sleeplessness, and extreme changes in mood. And side effects of alcohol Slurred speech, drowsiness, vomiting, diarrhea, impaired judgment, blackouts, and decreased perception. So to combine both of these, neither one of them have extreme risk or serious side effects. But when you're 14 years old, how do you know how to react under some of these mood swings and different psychological effects. Being asked to leave school on the previous Friday before their death due to having alcohol on their breath, they proceeded going from party to party all weekend long, taking drugs, drinking, and visiting with friends. They were hitchhiking on 9th Avenue Southeast when a neighbor stopped to offer them a ride, which they declined. This was the last time they were spotted alive. Then they were discovered under ironically called Happy Valley Overpass, 
which in itself should be a delightful place to visit and make memories, not be found under it, stopping any future memories of existing. The autopsy nor the crime lab tests show any proof as to how they died. No signs on their bodies to indicate foul play against them and nothing in their systems revealed any drug or alcohol reference that would have proved their fate. Their bodies, based on the position of them and how their clothes were, showed they were dumped. Strangulation is most likely the cause, but there were no marks on their necks to indicate this. Possibility of smothering by drug-related accident, like passing out with face and pillow, was also speculated as a cause. The weather was not a factor, although it was February in Calgary, which can be typically the coldest winter months. But since the girls were moved to this location, after their deaths, it was determined weather was not a factor. The judge, K.J. Plomp, called the deaths a sad and tragic situation which leaves many questions unanswered. The thing that concerns me is that conditions and situations such as we've encountered do exist in this society. Who could believe that 14 and 15 year olds could be running free like this? They're just children. In closing, this Calgary cold case from 1976 with the mystery deaths of Patricia Patsy McQueen and Ava Dvorak, marking the 42nd year of their cold case. In reflecting back to my 8th and 9th grades in school, by all accounts could be classed as one of the hardest times in one's life, especially for a girl. Going through puberty, finding friends you can trust, and trying to be independent of your parents. Who doesn't want the attention of older kids and someone to look up to? At this time in one's life, you just hope these older kids influence you for the positive. Who gave the girls these drugs and how much they took and what they decided to do before, during, and after is on them. They made this decision alone, together. They were influenced and pressured and didn't have their thoughts in line because they were only 14 years old. They were children, as the judge said. Coming from an area in the city that proved to be low poverty and crime heavy also gave them a more difficult start and possibly not the best environment to grow up in and be influenced by. According to Eva's sister Martha and brother Gord in the CBC article, they touted Eva as a normal girl who was fun to be around. They also commented that these two girls were just 14 years old. They are missed by their family, siblings, and friends. They all want closure. What happened to these girls? You can't help but wonder and want to know how this can be unsolved for over 40 years. Were you around in Calgary at this time? Did you know the girls? Were you one of their friends? Did you attend the school in 1976? Ian Basaljet? What was it like?
If you have any information about this case or a story about the girls that you want to share, let me know. Thanks for listening to the podcast and this new series, Calgary History. And let me know what you think by leaving me a comment, rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Blueberry, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast. Photos and snapshot pictures courtesy of me, Valerie Moss, and spending the day at the Central Library. Articles used for reference are Two Girls, 14, Found Dead Dated February 16, 1976, by Charles Sterling, Herald Staff Writer. Autopsy results awaited for clue to girl's death, by Charles Sterling, Herald Staff Writer. Girls in mystery deaths took LSD, pot, and alcohol. March 30, 1976. No reference to journalist. Someone has answers to deaths of five women, April 15, 1976, by Charles Sterling, Herald Staff Writer. Inquest draws blank on teenagers' death mystery, September 21, 1976, by Deborah Lehman, Herald Staff Writer. Families of Eva Dvorak and Patsy McQueen still hope for breaking cold case. February 16, 2016, by Colleen Underwood, CBC News. The intro and outro for this podcast is recorded by London Moss. The music for this show is written and produced by Jason Schnell. Titled Taskham 40. Thanks to Jeff Moss for being the voice of the judge. The podcast is written and produced by me, Valerie Moss, through GarageBand and WordPress. Thanks for listening. Visit ValerieMoss.ca for more information.